This episode is about self-love and self-forgiveness and a lot of the bad cliches or bad new age beliefs that are out there that are actually hurting people. Because over and over again, people come to me and they're hurting because they've been told something with the best of intentions, the person saying it has, um, but it's caused a, a real conflict and internal struggle. So these are, number one, you have to love yourself first before anyone else can love you. Boy, I, I wish people would stop saying that. It's not true. There are addicts that hate themselves, that, that are loved by their family. It's just not true. It's not true, and I can unpack it on so many levels, but it, it isn't true. Uh, what is true, which is slightly different, is that when we don't love ourselves, we tolerate toxic relationships that we wouldn't tolerate. We tolerate being treated badly. So what we should say is that when you love yourself, you will allow loving people or allow people to love you. And you certainly, it's the opposite. It's not that you have to be loved. It's that you won't put up with people who don't love you. You won't put up with behavior that's not loving because you love yourself too much and you love yourself enough to walk away. The other one that is really dangerous is the thing that I often hear with survivors of uh, childhood abuse, uh, childhood sexual trauma. They often say that they've been to therapists, and they come to me because they've been to therapists for 20 years, every week for 20 years, and have not been able to move past it because they've talked over and over and over about the pain. Ow, 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 touch the fire, ow, it burns, touch the fire, ow, it burns. We know how neural pathways work. We know if you keep reliving the trauma, your body keeps re-immersing and experiencing the trauma and experiencing the adrenaline and reliving the pain. And, and the neural pathway becomes not just a, a connection, but a highway that's, that's traveled over and over again. And so then you start to link it to the therapist or the situation in your life or any other memories or what else you, is going on in your life. So we know how brain we know how neural pathways work. We really need to stop focusing on the pain and you know, validate the story, acknowledge what happened, and then work out how to heal it, how to move forward. Instead of asking yourself all the time, why did this happen? Maybe ask yourself, ask your brain, ask your unconscious, how can I heal this? Who can I see to heal this? How can I move forward? How can I find a way to function? How can I let go of the anger? So a lot of the, because they were always told, you know, you attracted this for a reason. Did Jesus stop saying that? These abuse victims blame themselves. Now they may have been four or five years old and they're being told by well-meaning people that they attracted it for a reason. Just stop it, right? Seriously, just stop it. They're already doing enough self-blame. Um, any victim of rape, male or female, or, you know, um, whatever shape or form your trauma took, if it was inflicted upon you, you didn't, there's an implication of it, you deserved it, or somehow you attracted it. Again, it's a twist on the story of, okay, so you, not you attracted it for a reason, but only you can choose how to handle it. Only you can choose to let it go. Only you can choose... The, the meaning you give it, only you can choose whether this destroys you or empowers you. 
And one of the most helpful things when I was about 21, I was raped by a friend of my mother's when I was younger. And when I, and I had shut down after that day and I was about 20 or 21 and I was staying with friends for a wedding and one of the girls there had been through it and she said, what happened to you when you were a teenager? You didn't choose that, but don't, you know, every other day that you relive it, experience it, let it control your future, you're giving him too much power. Um, it was actually the start of me realising that I didn't want to let this one past event control every day in my future. Now, one, I was ready to hear it at that moment in time. I was sick of it holding me back. Um, also, I have to say, the way my mother handled it, she made it all about her. She blamed me. She called me a slut, even though I was a virgin. So the way it was handled in my family added, compounded all the trauma. And that is almost always the case, um, especially with incest. A lot of the time, it, when the victim finally does speak up or the parent that they confide in or the adult that they confide in might do, some, might do nothing, might take the side of the abuser because they want to keep up appearances. And that can actually make it so much worse because then you feel like the one person who loves you has turned, who won't protect you or has turned their back on you when you needed them. So these are the two damaging things that people come to me over and over again. So a trauma victim who says, um, I attracted it for a reason, why did I attract it? Then starts to blame their body and so then they start to self-mutilate or they start to hide their body in other ways or they just don't want their body to attract any more abuse and so they might shut down or shut people out and that includes shutting out the very people who can give them love and support so um oh god i almost forgot there's another one i've had a few people come to me who've had situations and, and it really a really clean example of this is someone who had been a widow for 20 years and this client came to me and said they were beating themselves up because they couldn't get over. They kept having friends, friends of their, of their um, deceased spouse, kept saying, just get over it, just move on. And so this client came to me and said they were beating themselves up because they couldn't let it go and they couldn't move on. And they, they were actually being really, really hard on themselves for not being able to let go and move on. And so... We spent sort of 20 minutes talking about what would let go, what would move on look like. And I said, you know, you can let go of the pain. You don't have to let go of the memories, of the joy, of the happiness of that person. You can have photos of that person in your life. You just have to let go of the pain. You do not have to. And it never occurred to her to separate the two like that. It had never occurred to this client that she could, because she was bundling it all together. So when you say these things, be really careful if someone is in a heightened state of PTSD or overwhelm, what you say, if you're not clear, the way they hear it might be quite, um, but might be misinterpreted or might be limited by their own understanding of the language or of emotional, uh, emotional intelligence. So just be very careful what you say to someone who's vulnerable. Um, over and oh god there are so many examples of people who've just said horrific things I remember this yoga teacher once um, somebody in the class was having tests for cancer 
And she said, oh, I'm not surprised you've got cancer. You're such a ball of anger. One, no yoga teacher should ever say that to anyone. Like, what are they doing in a, in a profession where they're entrusted to, when people come to them for advice and they say things like that? And two, the person doesn't even know if they've got cancer. And three, the person who, the yoga teacher actually is the ball of anger that they were projecting onto everyone. But what a thing to say to someone who's already scared and crying that, oh, you know, that of course, they're, of course they've got cancer because they're so angry. How is that helpful? How is that loving? How is that supportive? It's not. It's just venomous. But this person is one of those, I'm so spiritual. I'm like, yeah, but you're not. So anyway, um, please just be mindful of how you give advice. Please be mindful of who you take advice from. If someone's really angry, um, they might be full of it also... Look, there's two ways to do this. There are people who give great advice but don't take it. There are people who uh, are able to help others and they can't help themselves. And that's usually the case with rescuers. So just because someone's life is a mess does not mean that they can't help other people. Ergo, every single charity worker. Every charity worker I know is either in it for the ego and self-interest so they can, like the narcissism thing, or they are in it because they go... I want to be there for others because no one was there for me. So I definitely have witnessed in years of doing charity work that there are so many charity workers who absolutely are only there because they've gone through their own trauma and now they're doing something really loving and helpful to help others, probably who've been through a similar situation to them. So it feels like I'm all over the place, but I'm trying to do a whole thing of like, unpacking the bullshit that we are told and the bad advice we're told is sort of the common thread so um yeah let go and also if somebody there's a great johnny about letting go right letting go of certain people if somebody gives you advice that just feels draining or heavy and you know it comes from a place of venom rather than love um just limit your time with them covid and corona gave us a great excuse to avoid people who were um, verbally abusive or extremely critical or nasty or just really triggering for us. They might be a wonderful person, but they were just triggering for us in a time when we're not coping. Everyone I know has had some sort of self-reflection over the last few years. A lot of people close to me have felt incredibly fragile a lot of people have questioned what their values were and what's important to them in life and completely changed the direction of their life. And suddenly we've had, the, especially the people who were always busy, busy, busy with distractions have actually quietened down and actually looked at what do they want to do with their life. You know, now they've actually taken time to reflect or they've realised they've got this hobby that they adore and why aren't they turning that? into a career and a lot of people had money struggles and that can bring up put us in survival mode bring up a lot of unresolved stuff when you suddenly panic about how are you going to survive it can bring up other issues that you can cope with because if you're coping if you're holding it together you've got enough money you've got a job you've got a social life and then one of it's like a here's your imagine your life is a tabletop 
and every little thing that supports you, your life and your, your social life and your well-being is another leg. And you start taking away all the support. You start taking away the money. You start taking away the support friendships. You start taking away the social circle. Pretty soon that table's pretty wonky. And I just saw this happen over and over again. However, we do reach out. And then there's also that whole thing about those who don't reach out. In Australia, they have a thing called Are You Okay Day? And everyone I know with depression just hates it because suddenly all these strangers who don't actually care are coming up going, are you okay? Talk to me about this, talk to me about that, and putting pressure. And it may not be somebody who you actually feel comfortable speaking to or opening up to. And I remember um, this last one, that the people who... it, it We had a situation at work where there was one person that everyone at work referred to as the bully, and... He insisted that we do Are You Okay? And we all share Are You Okay? And afterwards, everyone privately was talking amongst each other, just going, that was so traumatic. You know, he lost his temper. He flew through into a rage tantrum. He was talking about his own stuff. And it was just, the whole thing was just a, a whole fiasco where somebody wanted to go, look what I've done, and actually didn't actually care about the well-being. Because when people do open up to you and actually do open up and share, they're feeling particularly vulnerable. They're feeling really fragile. And you can't just leave them in that state. It's really dangerous to uh, get someone to open up and then just leave them sitting there if you're not equipped to know how to handle it. And you might bring up all this trauma that they've buried for a long time and suddenly now they're going, wow, now I'm actually really depressed and I'm like going to fall in a little heap for the next three weeks. And you just wanted to go, well, I've done, tick a box, I've, I've asked, are you okay? And a lot of the time trauma is buried until we are ready to heal it or to handle it or to deal with it. However, when I studied kinesiology, kinesiology they did say it was over and over again that your role as a therapist as a counsellor is 90% just offering kindness and whether or not you are a therapist or a practitioner or a psychologist or just a friend you absolutely can offer kindness Um, when I was uh, leaving a really violent abuser who was threatening me I never left the house Um, For a couple of years, I didn't leave the house because he would brag he was going to kill me and make it look like a suicide. And he was sending these threats in text messages as well as saying them in front of witnesses. And the police did nothing. And one of my friends came over and he said to me, "Okay, I know what you're going through. Do you want to talk about it, yes or no? And I said, actually, no, I don't. And he said, what can I do? He said, I don't know the situation, but what is it that I can do? And I said, you know what I really miss? He and I used to go to the markets. And I said, I feel safe with you. He's a big guy. He's a really capable guy, really protective. And I said, I'd actually love to just go and have a day out because I just haven't been leaving the house. And so asking someone going, okay, if you're not Rather than forcing them to open up and share if they, if they don't want to, and, you know, use common sense, ask people, hey, if you're feeling down, please reach out to me. You don't have to talk about it. But 
if you need an activity or if you need a friend or if you just need someone to, to hang out with or something to do, please reach out to me. Because the really dangerous thing I've seen every year with Are You Okay is people demand, like people I haven't spoken to in years will message me, will message each other. I used to see it on social media, demanding that everyone talk about your trauma and you're going, okay. So it's back to that same thing of neural pathways. When you talk about the trauma over and over again, your body re-experiences the trauma and the person goes, well, I've talked to you for 10 minutes. I've done my duty. Bye. So it's not productive. It's not helpful. It can be really triggering. I would instead suggest that you say to them, hey, I've watched you going through a hard time or, you know, I've actually swipe them, uh, wipe them. I care about you. I want to check you're okay. Hey, if you need to ever hang out, let's hang out. What would you like to do? You know, if it's an introvert, they, like one of my friends says, she's an introvert, she recharges just by, I go over there and I cook for her. She loves that. Another friend might want to be more sociable. Another person might really miss going to cafes or that'll be whatever it was for them. What's something you'd like to do um, or something that makes you feel special or, you know, can I mind the kids or do you need me to come over? And one of the things I've noticed with depression is people stop cleaning or taking care of themselves. So one of my friends, I would go over there and change her sheets and do her dishes and then just sit and watch telly with her. She, she didn't have the capacity to make much conversation. She just needed to know that someone cared and that made her feel loved because her love language was acts of service. So whatever it is for that person that makes them feel loved is going to do so much more towards helping them feel better than forcing them to talk about something painful that's unresolved, that they are not equipped to heal on their own and the person forcing them to talk about it probably isn't equipped as well. So what can we do instead rather than focusing on all the negative? Okay, so instead of going back to the start, I have to love myself before anyone else will love me. Okay, again with the whole no, but don't focus on who does love you, focus on what they do love about you, focus on what you have. Uh, People who say that nobody loves them often overlook the kindness that makes their friends and loved ones actually care about them because I've had experiences where I've bought people really expensive gifts or holidays and they've taken it for granted for whatever reason it hasn't been the, the gift that's been the thing that they remember years later they'll remember an activity we did together and it's incredibly humbling when people come up to you in the street five years later or 18 months later usually and just thank you hey I met you in a cafe and I was going through a really hard time and I've been robbed and you were really kind to me and you you know you shouted me lunch or you just you talked to me and and I don't remember this person at all and this happens over and has since I was about 20 over and over again where strangers will come up and remember me because of kindness and because of I've sat down and had a conversation with them or somebody sat at a table next to me in an empty cafe and just started talking. And this happens so much. And the thing is, they're looking at kindness. I don't have to rescue. I don't have to fix. I just have to sit there and show them I care. And it's, you know, 40 minutes out of my day. 
and I'm sitting having coffee anyway and it ends up being a lovely conversation for me. It's happened twice this week, you know, once at the car wash and once um, down at the beach where I've started chatting to a stranger and they've opened up and they've, you know, one of them said, I was going through a really horrible time this morning and I was really struggling and it's just like this person, this total stranger just offered me kindness for no reason and thank you and they've, they've texted me afterwards and just said thank you so much that it just, you know, what it meant to them. And I think, well, it was lovely for me. You were fun to hang out with. I got to talk to you about your dreams and your goals when you've actually been feeling really stuck in where you were. And I helped you redirect, you know, some of your energy towards the future instead of just um, feeling overwhelmed and feeling like there was no hope. Of course, it's going to feel lovely to give that because I think giving is one of the most selfish things you can do. So... I, I mean, I don't know. I could harp on about this for hours, but please be careful. Just be careful of what you say to people. Be mindful. Don't be a bully and pretend you're doing it. Like, oh, well, I'm getting them to talk about. Don't be a bully in if you say something that's trying to force someone to grow or change or especially don't be a, a self-righteous spiritual bully you know, and that whole, and we've all witnessed it where somebody's like, oh, well, you know, obviously you're just not enlightened and that's why you have cancer. Like that awful yoga teacher who, you know, obviously we all knew her own life was just, the all of her anger and rage that she was projecting onto that person was because of her own situation in her own life and because she chose not to deal with it, and just it, she chose to then be angry about the situation. Uh, she became really toxic and really nasty to a vulnerable person. The, the upside of that is that because other people witnessed it, we all then went around and instantly went, cancel that message, don't listen to it, that's terrible advice, <laughs> that's not true, you're not angry, you're scared, um, you probably, and it turns out the person didn't even have cancer. So it was just a piece of venom that was just thrown at someone, um, projected from unresolved stuff. Um, anyway, <sighs> look, we are learning, we are growing. And sometimes in life, we're not going to get an apology from someone who said or done something awful, whether they meant it, whether it was unintentional. So even if someone has told you to get over it or, you know, just snap out of it or other really terrible advice or even if someone's done something to hurt you usually they're not they're not going to apologize I remember I said to one of my clients once she was so angry her father hadn't given her a kidney and and I said or a blood uh, yeah and then she needed some white blood cells and she just had like this 10 years later and she had all this rage about it and I said honey would you in about our third or fourth session I said would you really want part of this man's body inside of you after he molested you and she was just like no and I went well, well why and I said because you didn't get a kidney from him you actually worked for a foundation and you you know you were responsible for setting up this foundation in a new country you've now got 200,000 people on a register for for donations of white blood cells and plasma and everything that only happened because your father said no so do you realise how many children's lives you've saved 
because your father said no, because of what happened to you. Look at what you've done with it. So she was holding on to this anger instead of just completely, she'd held on to the old story instead of looking at it from actually what happened because of it. So make the painful memory or the trauma or the person who hurt you, make that chapter one and then make chapter two, three, four, five, six, what you did with it, how you healed it, how you moved on, what are the strategies, how can you help someone else going through the same crap, how can you pay it forward, how can you teach others, how can you make it, okay, great example, Uh, the girl, one of my clients went through abuse and he was particularly financially abusive, like for years and years and years after they divorced, he'd... uh, be very financially abusive towards her and threaten her and then use money to take her to court over and over again. It's a typical thing of abusers. She then went back to uni, did a conveyancing course, which was a short course, ended up working in a law firm, and now her goal is to set up uh, a new firm to teach, to be there for other women, so with lawyers and with access to DV support and access to all these different network to then help people who are going through exactly what she went through. And it's only because she and I talked through, no one was there for her. And so instead of, because when I met her, she was so hurt and angry and betrayed and felt so alone in this situation. And now we're turning it around and she's now planning with her new role and her new opportunities at work, how she can help other people who are going through the same thing and be well paid and be adored And it'll be, and she said to me, um, I think a couple of days ago, she said to me, I can't wait to tell him it's because of all the horrible things you did to me. Look what I've, look what I've done with it. And, And she was like, you know, because of what you did, you made me into this. And I said, make sure you thank yourself. Make sure you take the credit. You can go, that's what he did to you, but you chose how to handle it. You chose to turn it into something positive. Like, congratulate yourself. Don't give him the credit. Um, He created the problem, but you created the solution. And that's what we really have to remember, that with any sort of growth that is forced upon us, foisted upon us, because life throws curveballs, life throws trauma, life throws loss and pain and suffering at us. And we have to pick ourselves up and handle it And often we don't have people around us who know how to support it. You know, when my cousin got cancer, she said the people who were her best friends who loved her the most didn't know what to say, didn't know how to support her. And some of them just took off out of her life because they said, I can't handle this. I can't deal with it. I'm so sorry. And she said it wasn't that they didn't love me. It was just that They couldn't be a support system for me and she felt really betrayed for a start because she'd been there for everyone else. So just because someone loves you doesn't mean they are able to handle it or support you. But I got distracted. But really the thing is that at the end of the day, we're pretty resourceful and if we really keep looking, we'll find a solution. And I've had blinding flash of the obvious life-changing awareness from a comment that I've heard on television that's changed my life or, um, you know, like I've watched a really inspiring movie and gone out and then said it to someone else. You know, the feedback I've got from a couple of clients who were experiencing loss about, you know, like don't let go of the lesson, don't let go of this, but let go of the pain. 
And that was a game changer for them because they'd been hearing the same thing over and over and over with their old therapist. And of course it wasn't working. So I don't know why people keep doing the same thing that's not working and think they're going to get a different result. I mean, isn't I used to joke that housework is, is like just as pointless because you do it over and over again and expect a different result. However, yeah, best of luck, everyone. I know that life's shitty and I know that life's not fair and there's not always justice like in the movies or, you know, <laughs> the TV shows where the you know, bad guy gets karma and the good guy wins. But at the end of the day, remember that nasty people might only be in our lives for a moment and cause us so much pain, but they are immersed in that hateful venom all the time. And the nastiest, the two, there's two in particular, but there's, there's more. The nastiest people I know, as much as they hurt someone else, you can get out of their lives or you can get away. Or even if you're only around them, like at Christmas, you are only touched a tiny bit by that. The real karma is the fact that they poison themselves with all that anger. Both of them think everyone else is as hateful as them. Both of them think everyone else is out to get them because that's what that's how they see the world and they project all their own stuff onto others. So, you know, don't worry about holding on to anger to hurt the other person. Don't worry about revenge. The revenge is that they have to live with what they've done. And the best revenge is really is healing, is just going, you have no power over me. You have no control over my future and taking it back. Best of luck.